So Matthew 26, we read, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking them with Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and doubt uh, and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but help me as you will. Jesus chose your nails. The nails that you were supposed to have put through you because paying a penalty for, for disobedience, he took it on your and on my behalf. He chooses your redemption over his own comfort. He, his death is the final sacrifice that pays the debt, debt, the debt for the sin of mankind. In Hebrews 9.28 we read, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, he was not only on the cross for the good people. In actual fact, he was not on the cross for perfect people at all. He was on the cross for people that struggle every day, which I think includes you and I today. He gives us an opportunity by saying, I will pay this for you. You don't have to pay this, I'll pay this. I will take the nails in my hands on your behalf. And although Jesus, although aware of the suffering that accompanied the death on the cross, knew that his sacrifice was the ultimate purpose of his ministry. Because he says in, in, in the previous verse, not my will but your will. And Jesus understood his purpose. Jesus knew what the will of God was for his life. And it's important for you and I during this period of time to make some choices. Maybe there are choices that you actually know you've need, needed to make quite a while ago. But you're kind of delaying that because you understand what the consequences of those decisions would be. His death is predicted three times in the, in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and the book, book, book of John offers even more prophecies. So Jesus, before he died, was telling his disciples, Oh, this is what's going to be happening to me, happening to me. So we find in, in, in Matthew 16, 21, a very well-known portion. For that, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, and scribes, and be killed. Now, I want you to think about it. How would you, how would you react if, 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 if your best friend came to you and said, Oh, by the way, we need to go to Jerusalem so that I can be killed. What would your reaction be? And we see Peter's reaction is quite normal, you know. I think you've got to understand, when people react, Peter reacts in the way he does, he's not trying to be, be, be clever. He's not trying to be difficult. It's just a human response. And we find that he says Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, be far it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. You see, he's acting not in mind of what the purpose of Jesus is. He wants Jesus to stay. He wants to be comfortable having the Son of God with him all the time. But Jesus takes him, Jesus looks at him and he says to him, he says, get you behind me, Satan. What a rebuke. You know, Peter's doing the right thing. No, Jesus, we don't want you to go. And Jesus says, you're a devil. 
And he explains, and it explains to Peter why he's saying, he doesn't just leave him hanging. He explains to him, he says, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the, on the things of man. And how often, when we have to make a choice, we've got to ask ourselves, am I putting my mind on the things of God or on the things of man? This decision I'm making, is it going to bring glory to God or is it going to make me feel okay and comfortable? In other words, I don't want to take the nails. I'd rather move away from the cross and not accept the cross. Because you see, we've got to, we've got to remember, Luke 9 says this, and he said to him, if everyone would come after, him, after me, read this with me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Christianity is not a Sunday thing. It's a lifestyle. He says, you've got to walk towards the cross, and the cross which, 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 which represents pain and suffering. And there are times that you as a believer will suffer at the hands of the unbelievers. But that's not always the case. There are times that we have to understand that as Jesus had to deny himself, he had to deny himself, he had to take up his cross, and he had to follow the instructions of his Father. And that's what happens in Gethsemane. Not my will, your will be done. Same too for you and I. We have to deny ourselves sometimes. We have to take up our cross, and we've got to follow the instructions of the Holy Spirit. And He tells you, you need to do this. You oh, Lord, that's too difficult. Well, I think going to a cross as a perfect man, remember Jesus had no sin, and die and let all the sin of mankind be placed upon you. How often have you said, oh, that's not fair. Who's ever said that? That's not fair. That's, that's not fair. Well, what happened to Jesus wasn't fair. But it was the purpose of God. So that you and I can have a new lease on life. That we can be born again. He lost his life to regain it three days later. Because here's the thing, where God leads, he always provides. I want you to believe that. And if we are martyred or lose our lives for the sake of Jesus, we will gain everlasting life. There's this warning that we ought not to fear man more than fear God. He says man can throw you in prison, but God can throw you into eternal fire. And that is, that is the, the, the choice that we have this morning. Uh, Luke 9, if we keep on doing our own thing, we are warned that for whoever will save his life will lose it. And uh, what is it if man gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? So, it's about obedience and disobedience, is it? Which reminds me of this hunter that went hunting the one day. He was going to go bear hunting. And he was walking along and all of a sudden, because you see what he said to himself, he says, I want to make a nice warm coat out of the bear skin. Winter's coming and, uh, you know, I'm, I, I really need to get some bear skin. And as he was thinking these things, he saw this bear walking towards him. He raised his gun, took aim to shoot. And the next minute, the bear says to him, wait a minute, why do you want to shoot me? The hunter replied, because I'm cold. And the bear looked at him and says, but I'm hungry. So maybe we can reach an agreement. In the end, the hunter was enveloped by the bear's fur, and the bear had eaten his dinner. 
So here's the thing. Disobedience, even partial, is sin. And we will always lose out when we try to compromise with sin. It will consume us in the end. When you need to make a decision, be concise. Be sure. Be principled. And make that decision that you need to make. So, I wanted to end this morning with a beautiful story uh, that we find in John chapter 12. And um, it's a remarkable gift that Jesus received from Mary in John 12. So I'd like to read this to us quickly. This is, a, a, this is something that Mary does that the, the bystanders do not understand. She's got to make a choice. And knowing that she could get ridiculed, as she is in the story, She's actually even almost verbally abused by one of the disciples when she does this thing. But she had to make a choice. She had to decide, am I going to do this thing or am I not going to do this thing? Because this is really what I feel that God wants me to do. So let's have a read. John chapter 12, reading from verse 1 through to 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So we gave a dinner for so they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Now remember, Lazarus was the guy that was dead three days that had been restored back to life. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now we might just look at that and say, "Oh, she took a bit of cologne." I'll explain to you now about this cologne. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples who was about to betray Jesus, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. So Jesus' treasurer was stealing money. And Jesus knew this. But he gave him a chance, didn't he? Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. So what is this all about? Well, they call it spikenard oil. In the Bible, was used as an incense offering. It was used by the Hebrews in the Jerusalem temple. In the Old Testament times, pungent perfumes and oils were used to prepare a body for burial. And this is why the act of anointing Jesus' head with, sp uh, with sp uh, spikenard prior to his crucifixion was highly symbolic. So in other words, somewhere she felt in her heart that she needed to take this ointment. Now, according to, 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 to Judas, uh, this, was, this, was, this, this, this ointment that she used was worth a year's wage. Now, you, 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 you young people that are, that are working out there, you know how much you get per hour. You know how much sweat you put into the time. You know, the adults that are working, we know how much effort we put in and how much, uh, how much effort goes into earning what we earn at the end of the month. Now, taking that money and you save it for a year, and then you buy yourself this beautiful ointment, and then Jesus comes in and God tells you, I want you to take your year's wage and spend it on him right now. Now, the interesting thing was that whenever somebody would come into your house in, during these times, remember, they didn't have tar roads like ours. 
they didn't have cars to drive. They would walk in the dust, and there were, there were cows walking, there were goats walking, there were sheep walking, there were animals, so there was a lot of animal feces all over the place. So you would step in it. Who stepped in some dark poo before? You were very happy with that, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. No, but remember, this was a daily occurrence. They would do that all the time. So when you would visit somebody, the first thing that the host would do, they would wash your feet. Okay? But the in, and, and, and once, once they've washed your feet, they would then take a little bit of perfume and actually anoint your head. Basically to say, listen, we want you to smell good in our house. But the, the, the amazing thing here is that she, she washes his feet not with water, but with his perfume. And she humbles himself. The other thing she does, which is not kind of allowed in Jewish, Jewish tradition, she lets her hair down. Because during those days, it was mainly prostitutes that used to let their hair down. And people would know, okay, that is a prostitute. All the other women would kind of cover up all the time. But she lets her hair down. and she t Now, I want you to think about the, you girls with longer hair. She lets her hair down, and she cleans all the muck of Jesus' feet. She uses her hair as a rag, and she cleans his feet. Gives a different perspective, doesn't it? We kind of have this, you know, beauty and the beast feeling, oh, it's, it's all this beautiful stuff. This is not that great. So we find that when we look at this thing, we find that Jesus looks at this and he says, she's doing a prophetic utterance. She is saying something. She's preparing me for my burial. Where Peter wants to keep Jesus away from the cross. Jesus, Judas wants to feed his robbing habit, his stealing habit. Mary gives generously all she possesses. Each three people had a choice to make. And you and I have a choice to make all the time. Two lessons that I kind of find that I just want to highlight out of John 12 uh, in the story is that don't care what people think of when you're being obedient to Jesus. Be obedient to Him. Secondly, you cannot outgive God. Don't hold back on your finances. You know, I, I, I speak to people all the time, and I'm not talking money this morning, but whenever I speak to people about giving tithes and offerings, oh, that's Old Testament and all this or that, actually you're just saying that you're not generous if you don't tithe. If we say that we've got to do the right thing, let's do the right thing. We give of our income to Him. God's not asking us to give a year's worth of wage. But we have to understand that Mary's gift was remarkably extravagant. She used a lot, a, a pound of very costly oil of spikenard. Spices and ointments were often used as investment because they occupied small space and were profitable and um, were easily negotiated on the open market. You see, the ultimate choice of the Christian life is always the choice between pleasing self and pleasing God. What choices are we going to make in this coming year? Are they going to be God-glorifying or are they going to be glorifying of self? That is the decision you and I need to make. Jesus intentionally comes to earth to die for our sins. He chose to take our nails on the cross. He didn't have to, but he chose.
he made a decision. Philippians 2, 6. And though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death of a cross. For a rabbi to die on a cross was saying that he was a criminal. Jesus was willing to be called a criminal on our behalf. Good people did not die on crosses during this time. It was bad people. But the sinless Christ is willing to go through this humiliation. And here's the wonderful thing. Even on the cross, when there is a, a, a person at a point of need, and he looks at Jesus, he says, Jesus, remember me when you get to, your, when you get to paradise today. And Jesus looks at this criminal. This is like getting saved at 99. You know, one minute to 12. 12 o'clock, it's overs cadovers. One minute to 12, this guy turns to Jesus and says, remember me. And Jesus says, I'll see you in paradise. He's just generous. God's so generous. God's so generous. Today, you and I proclaim with the multitudes that have gone before us, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Who wants to say thank you, Jesus, for taking my nails this morning? Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the king of earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And behold, he is coming with the clouds. That's the promise. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, Lord Jesus, come. Amen and amen.